I don't know. I don't know what I'd put on your tombstone's name. I don't know why I'd be in charge of your tombstone. But I don't. I would not let I'm you be part of my tombstone, frankly. <laughs> Danielle, I mean, I, I mean this is. with as little offense as possible, which might not be very much, but you'd be the last person I'd put in charge of my tombstone. <laughs> my epitaph. I would be probably really good at that. Mm. I probably wouldn't be snarky mm. on your tombstone. <laughs> See, I don't trust that as the thing. Danielle. I don't trust you. <laughs> Do not be snarky on my tombstone. It would just depend on my mood the day that I filled out the form. <laughs> And that's why you're not in charge. Everybody and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Danielle. I'm Sam. This is the podcast where one of us explains a weird piece of media to the other who has no experience with it. Yes, Danielle. I am like a young Padawan and you are my Obi-Wan and I will not turn evil and try to murder you. I promise. I have to assume that you just have a list of these next to your <laughs> desk that you like write down just for this occasion. I'll be honest, I like, kind of panic because I forgot to think of one for this episode. And so I just thought, <laughs> all right, I'll go with the easy out with Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and now you've used it and can never use it again. I know. Curse me and my procrastination. <laughs> okay. Well, today it's my turn, everybody. We're giving Sam another break from Hyperion as much as we love it. And we do. <laughs> we sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Dan. You seem to have a very love-hate relationship with my retelling of Hyperion. Where you like? I really, yeah. Yeah. It's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> I don't know if you like, I think you love the idea, but hate how little sense it makes to you. <laughs> That seems accurate. I would hold that that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what are you going to give me, Danielle, that I can have a love-hate relationship with? We're going to do a Danielle book. Of course. A book that is much more me than you. (laughs) I can't wait to be angry about it. Perfect. This book is called Legacy of Lies. Okay, so far, wait, wait, wait. I want to take a guess based on that title. It (laughs) sounds... Like some kind of John Grisham, but like a erotic thriller. No, there's no erotica in this book. <laughs> That's fine. I'm just saying the title Legacy of Lies has a total John Grisham, you know, either political thriller or erotic thriller quality You're gonna to it. You're going to be very disappointed in this book. <laughs> no, I'm not, Danielle. I'm just saying that title, I, I mean, I do not want that. I'm glad it's not that. I'm just saying that title would fit that book perfectly. If I saw that in, a, in an airport bookstore, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. That's exact. I would agree with that. And this is a Dark Secrets number one book. Don't worry, it is completely standalone, Sam. So there's no. Okay, weird now at I think it's a fantasy series. <laughs> <laughs> and it's by Elizabeth Chandler. Once you get a, you know, blank, blank number one or whatever, book one of the blank series, it's definitely going to be some kind of fantasy book. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little fantastical. You'll find out. I'm going right. to send you the summary. Well, it's not really a summary. It's sort of a summary, Sam. I, I did don't not know why you're qualifying than... this so much. <laughs> Just send me whatever cause... it is and I'll read it and we'll figure out what it is afterwards. <laughs> All right. There you go, Sam. <laughs> I really want to read this in my like murder mystery voice. Megan thought she knew who she was until she came to grandmother's house. Until she met Matt, who angered and attracted her as no boy had ever done before. That's a healthy relationship. <laughs> Then she began having dreams again of a life she never lived, a love she never knew, dot, 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 a secret that threatened to drive her to the grave. All right. Is Megan a teenager in this book? Because this sounds like a dramatic teenager. This is absolutely a teenager book. (laughs) (laughs) 
Perfect. Uh, I've read this book a few times, which, boy, I don't know why. And uh, (laughs) I read it first probably when I was like, I'm going to say like 16. I was about the age of the characters in this book. So, And it's one of those books that sat on my bookshelf for years. And occasionally I would go, is this book as weird as I remember it being? And I'd pick it up and I'd read it because it's a pretty short book. And I was like, yes, it is. (laughs) I would put it back on my bookshelf. Have you ever read the other books in the series? I did. The second one is complete. That's how I know they're completely unrelated is the second book is, I think, I want to say like a drama camp or some kind of school. It's like a play and this so is definitely not. Why are they part of the same? Se- What's the overarching connective tissue between these books if they're completely unrelated? I am not entirely sure, Sam. Uh, I don't know. Dark, creepy things. <laughs> Maybe there is an overarching plot. Maybe I never finished the series and it and it tells you more about it. They just seem like completely separate books, if, if I recall correctly. It's been quite a long time since I read any of the other ones in this group. Okay, well... Instead of me trying to guess how this relates to books we're not going to cover, let's talk about the book that we are covering today, Danielle, which I've already forgotten the name of. Legacy of Lies? Legacy of Lies. Dark Secrets, number one. Maybe it'll have to do with secrets, Sam. (laughs) Oh, okay, because that's a very unique premise to books, secrets. Yes, as far as I know... These characters don't show up, but what do I know? I, it's literally been 15 years since I read the other books. Maybe there's like some kind of Avengers-esque crossover in the third or fourth book or whatever when they all come it's together. quite possible. I just remember how this book ended and then I was just all weirded out by it again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the worst part, everyone. This is part one, so we're not going to get to the end of this I was just going to say that I'm so sorry, everybody. I know we're interspersing my things between Hyperion and my thing is now probably a two-part. It's definitely at least a two-parter, so I'm very sorry. No, no. We're halfway through Hyperion. We needed a break. Bring on the weird teen drama inks that you love so much. I do love this. Okay. So, the book opens, Sam, with a recurring dream of a large three-story brick house with a covered porch. I do know you love recurring dreams. I do love recurring dreams. It's like your so life. you. What? Like, I do have a lot of recurring dreams. I just use a lot of settings over and over again in my dream, which is maybe why I like this book. She also uses a setting over That's and over again yeah, This is basically like, oh, this could be me. <laughs> so in the dream, Megan, our main character, usually goes inside. She's, I think she's probably younger in the dream. She goes inside to play with the toys that are in one of the, the rooms. But this time, the door is locked and she can't get inside. Oh, no, her toys. Oh, no. So flashback to a previous real life conversation outside wait, wait. of a dream. Oh, OK. So question. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm already confused. Is the flashback in the dream? No. Or is the flashback part of an external narrative? Like, oh, here's a dream. It's external narrative. She can't get so in. It's... Hey, let's exit the dream now and do a flash. Why? Why? <laughs> because it sets the scene for what is like happening post-dream. <laughs> all right. All right. Sorry. I just got like, I don't know why we had to start in a dream and then go to a flashback. Like that seems like too, <laughs> you know, in media res starters that did not need to happen. And it's clear in the book, more or less, that it's it's switched back to a pre like or at least I understood what they were doing. Okay, okay, sorry. So flashback to a previous real life conversation outside of the dream where Megan is telling her father that she refuses to go visit her grandmother because her grandmother disowned her mother and won't speak to her father and has never had anything to do with them and she doesn't understand why she has to go just based on some sudden invitation that her grandmother sent. I mean, I'm with Megan on this one. That seems like hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what's her father doing? <laughs> but there's some dark secret. Her father wants her her mother and her 
her because I said left kind of on terrible terms. And so her father wants her to kind of potentially be a bridge. like To between, reconcile. Maybe, yeah, to maybe be the person that can reconcile the two of them. Mm-hmm. And by invitation, as I said, her grandmother sent a literal male invitation. The invitation actually says, the letter says, Dear Megan, this summer I will see you at the Scarborough house. I have enclosed a check to cover the airfare. Regards, Helen Scarborough Barnes. <laughs> I like the presumption. <laughs> yes, I will see you at the Scarborough House of Sabah. She's terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, you think? <laughs> so, so Megan wait, ex- wait, wait, wait. Okay. I'm going to say right now, if there isn't some dark secret reason why the father wanted to reconcile, like maybe an inheritance or something with the grandmother, doing it just to mend fences with a terrible person is not a good reason. I think they just needed a reason for her to be there, Sam. <laughs> oh, such bad parenting. Like, oh, yes. I think you should go spend time with this terrible woman who disowned our entire family and is kind of the worst just because, you know, no reason she because asked. I want you to. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite the thing. And I guess Megan feels like she needs to shoulder this responsibility for her parents to reconcile. Yes, Tina just so loves shouldering responsibilities of family burdens. <laughs> She's very uh, semi-mature for her age. Like Francis. <laughs> A little bit. Megan explains to the readers that her mother was disowned from her upper crust English seaboard family because she was white and she chose to marry a black man, her father. Oh. Yeah, I know. And they Yikes. weren't able to have children, so she and her two brothers were adopted, and the grandmother never really considered them as actual family. Or That's relatives. a great so, reason never to see your grandmother. Never to see the grandmother. Yeah, <laughs> all of that is like, okay, they made the right decision never to see her, and this invitation should be immediately discarded. Yeah, wild. <laughs> So I could understand why the mother would never want to speak to her mother any again. Yeah, no, that tracks. <laughs> so cut to arriving in an airport in Maryland. I think they're from Arizona. And she's being met by Ginny, her mother's oldest friend, who is very excited to see her. And she takes her into town, to the town of Wisteria, to see her grandmother. That's where she lives. Wisteria. What, um, that sounds like a place where an old racist grandmother would live. <laughs> As, uh, yeah, they actually tell, there's a lot of a uh, description in this book and it's like why, where things came from. And Wisteria was, uh, named after the game of Wist. I guess the town was like one or something in a game oh. of Wist. <laughs> so the not the town, plant. Yeah, but the people who ran the town didn't like that it was named after like a gambling game. So they added the Wisteria to Wist. <laughs> Oh, so it's just called Wist, and they change to Wisteria. Mm. Exactly. I mean, if you're going to change the name, just go all the way. (laughs) So called Wisteria, and Megan asks her a lot of questions, asks Ginny a lot of questions in the car as they're driving about what the house is like, which Ginny doesn't really elaborate on. And then Megan jokingly says that she's heard that it's haunted, and she's totally making that up. Like, she's just a big house. Is this the ghost romance book you mentioned a while ago? No, it's not. There's okay. no ghost in the bedroom, Sam. We're okay. <laughs> I was going to say, because I cannot handle a perv ghost in a bedroom right now. <laughs> Save no, that for I spook will, retorts. I, I will probably do that later, but that is not it. <laughs> okay. This is weird. This is much weirder. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's better. <laughs> Jenny, to her surprise, doesn't disagree about the haunting, just tells her that it's a common thought, and if she gets spooked, she should leave the lights on. And and Megan's kind of like, what? (laughs) So she asks about her grandmother, and Jenny, um, again, kind of hedging her bets here, tells her that she's a bit different, has her own way of seeing things, and can be pretty fierce at times. And Jenny doesn't directly answer her questions about whether people in town like her, but Megan gets the gist that, no, no, they don't. And why would they? She sounds like a awful person. And I know yeah, I'm judging terrible. based on literally three sentences you've told me, but they're pretty big things. They're pretty big things. Yeah. She's, she's, you know, going into it that 
of grandmother is probably not a nice woman. So she takes her on a driving tour of downtown on their way to the house, and she points out her shop, which is called Yesterdays. Is that from the Beatles? <laughs> I don't know. It's called, I don't know, Sam, Yesterdays, D-A-Z-E. All right. Well, it's like a, it's a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? One of those shops that sells like older things, resells. Like a secondhand store? Yeah, a secondhand store. That's why it's called Yesterdays. I get it, Danielle, Uh, and I uh, appreciate the pun. I will give it a pass. (laughs) (laughs) And next door to Yesterdays is Tea Leaves, and that's the pastry shop. Oh, there's not not tomorrow's? (laughs) No. (laughs) So she tells Megan that if things get difficult at the house, she's welcome to come stay with her. And uh, very ominous, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Let me uh, tell you about how lovely your grandmother is. But also, like, if you find her being tolerable, I have a place for you because I know it's going to happen because she's awful. She's going to be there for two weeks. So this is the timeline of this book. Just FYI, because a lot happens in this two weeks. And I feel like you need to know the timeline going into it. As they're driving through town talking, a Jeep pulls out in front of them and cuts them off, causing them to slam on their brakes. And there are three kids in the car who laugh at the near miss. They just think it's funny. Oh, that's not very nice. I know. And Megan calls the driver a jerk, and Ginny kind of laughs at that and points out that it's actually her cousin, Matt, who lives at the house. So, wait, Ginny's cousin, Matt, was the jerk No, it's not Ginny's cousin, Matt. It's Megan's cousin, Matt, who lives at Scarborough House. Okay, because I have to say, I I thought there was an implied romance with Matt. Well, yes. Megan is not technically related by blood to anybody in this family. That's that's why I'm like, she can't be, I must have misheard you, it can't be Megan's cousin because there's a romance that was implied there. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely Megan's cousin, definitely not actually related because he is related by blood. She's adopted, so really hardly matters and they've never met each other. I'm okay. I guess that's a fair point. I guess it doesn't matter. Just like, why? Why does he need to be a cousin? I know, 100%. I think he probably could have... I guess in the story, it makes sense. that I don't know if he could have just had a random person living there that wasn't related, I guess. So, I so Matt hard. is living with Megan's grandmother? Yes, we're getting into that right Okay, 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 okay. Yes, so now I understand. Right, now. right. So Megan had thought that he was in Chicago, because that's where he lived previously, but apparently after an ugly divorce between his parents, which she knew had happened, he decided to move to Wisteria full-time, because he already spent his summers there, and he didn't want to be around his parents, is the implied Got it. story. All right, yeah. all right, thank you for clarifying. I jumped ahead. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's not too far ahead. So apparently his grandmother bought him the Jeep, and he's supposedly getting a boat. So Megan's like, oh, he's a spoiled rich kid. (laughs) I get it. Who can't drive very well, clearly. (laughs) Yeah. But she's just kind of glad that there's going to be somebody else in the house besides her grandmother. And bonus, it's somebody her own age. So maybe it won't be as terrible as she thought it was going to be. Oh, and he's a cute boy, too. She doesn't know that yet. I mean, we can assume. All boys in books are apparently cute. All you know, potential male leads are always cute. And now that she's gotten there, she's a little excited to explore the the grounds. It's a really big property. It's like 400 acres, I think they said. And she's like, well, how much of a terror could this little tiny old lady be? Like, I'm sure it's, it's going to be fine. Uh, <laughs> old racist women are remarkably terrifying. Like, they, <laughs> they are like, how big a terror can they be? Huge. They're the worst. <laughs> They are the worst. She's not great. And so her excitement holds until she pulls into the house. Uh, Jenny pulls her up to the front of the house. And Sam, guess what? Oh, oh, oh. She pulls into the house and there's the cute boy waiting for her. No, it's the house from her dreams, Sam. Oh. That's way less interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's an important part of the story, Sam. (laughs) I mean, she's like, oh, she she never visited her grandmother, right? 
She's never visited her grandmother. She's okay. never seen a picture of the house as far as she knows. It's just that she's dreamt about it her entire life. I mean, I don't know, Danielle, if the dreams in this book are supposed to be prophetic. or I mean, I, obviously they are. It's a book. But I am just sort of like trying to figure out how invested I should be in her dreams. And Pre- I feel like about invested, as invested. Sam. <laughs> well, the was I feel like I should be about as invested as I am and anyone else tells me about their dreams, which is like politely listening, but not really paying attention. <laughs> What was it that? What book did you have that had all those dreams in it? Was it Fool on oh, the it Hill? Was, uh, Lord, no, it was uh, Flying Boats. Um, oh, boat oh, flying oh, oh Lords of the Sky. Lords of the Sky. That to be fair, dreams they in both it. had a lot of dreams. In. There was a whole like chapter on dreams in Fool on the Hill. Like there was, and often in those books, the, the dreams are not very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my favorite in um, the Sky Lords or whatever. Lords of the Sky, um, yes. <laughs> Skylord would be a more concise title, but no, we had to go Lords of the Sky. <laughs> Lords of the Sky. My favorite Lords of the Sky was that one prophetic dream that never went anywhere about the woods or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh, this <laughs> so is funny. like where they, all the battles took place. And he knew about the, the, the battle. Like, ah, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> who, who doesn't love a prophetic dream that's not prophetic? <laughs> well, that's just a dream then. Just, he just told him about his reign. Like, I had this crazy dream last night. It doesn't mean anything, but here it is. <laughs> <laughs> Which never happens in books, and I love that. I know. It was great. I, I mean, that's why I'm like trying to – I'm hoping that more books would just be like, oh, yeah, this is a random dream. doesn't mean anything. We're just putting it in there for funsies. No. Unfortunately for you, this dream means something. All right. Well, I'll try to remember. Brick house. She's a brick house. She's mighty, <laughs> mighty. Yep. House. The housekeeper, which apparently there is one, very ungracefully shows her to the library to meet her grandmother, who's sitting inside. How does she ungracefully like, like, trip all over the place? Like she missed her being in it? <laughs> ungracefully is the word. I just meant she's very like not polite. Oh. And she is not very housekeeper. I don't know. The, you usually think your housekeeper is kind of like the polite one. Deferential, that, like, shows people yeah. In. Yeah. Like she is definitely not that. Uh, I was hoping she's... it'd be more like Mr. Bean or Amelia Bedelia or something. She just <laughs> Unfortunately like... not. Okay. The woman, the woman meaning the grandmother's stands as she comes in and the is terrible woman <laughs> the terrible racist woman stands as she comes in and is described as having pale skin and high cheekbones her hair pulled back in a french twist and tiny drop earrings gave her kind of elegance despite the fact that she was wearing slacks i don't i that line always makes me laugh what's wrong with slacks slacks sound elegant <laughs> I mean, I, I get them. that she's, you know, of an era where, like, women wear dresses, boys wear slacks, but, like, it sounds like she's at least moved past that part in progressiveness <laughs> if she hasn't quite copped the idea of interracial marriage. So I guess Wild. that's progress. <laughs> I don't know. I also think this book, I think, is probably the 90s. So maybe slacks were a different connotation in the 90s than they are now. I don't know. Like, I don't think I can, again, in my entire life, I don't think women wearing pants has ever been a, like, problem. Thing. <laughs> yeah, like, no one's been like, oh, she's wearing pants. It's so weird. Like, even in professional <laughs> environments, pantsuits or power suits were still a thing. Yeah, well, we're born into a different generation in a country that accepts pantsuits, Sam. But she's in the same country, right? Or the, is she in England yeah, now? No, no. <laughs> no, this is Maryland. <laughs> Maryland. I, that's what I thought. But you said she was, like, on the English coastline. Well, yes, but I meant New England. Oh, well, I did say she, I said she flew to Maryland. <laughs> I, I know, but when you say England coastline, I think England. You'd have to say New England, we know New England. I, I mean, there are two England of them. That's why they have different family. names. <laughs> Pretty sure I said she was from an old New England family. Okay, well, maybe I missed the new part, but <laughs> it was like, I was pretty sure she 
was in this country, so I don't know why. I think it's the East. I don't know what I said. I'd have to look up. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> it doesn't Sam, matter. The point, the point is, is, she's wearing slacks. And, <laughs> she's it, and it shouldn't be a big deal. Is what I'm saying, regardless <laughs> of where in this country she is. I just thought of, like every time I read that line, every time I read the, reread this book, I'm like, what does this line mean? <laughs> Danielle, why do you regret this book in particular so many times? Like, say, I don't know. It's because I look at it and I'm like, oh, that was a weird book, I think. Um, it's like one of those books that's very like, it stays in your head, but you're not sure why. And then you reread it. And you're like, that was a weird book. And then you kind of promptly forget about it. And then it kind of just buzzes in your head sometimes. You're like, I'm going to reread that. And every time I reread it, I'm like, this is such a weird book. <laughs> why do I own this book? <laughs> For context... Danielle is an avid rereader, mostly because she forgets things, uh, as you have noticed. I from, also like to reread. But, but, but she does also reread books that she enjoys, as any of us are wont to do. So this book, which he, I don't know if you enjoy this book as much as my stuff trying to get, like, why are you reading this? Is it because you forget how weird it is? Or is it because, like, I really enjoyed that and want to experience it again? I mean, I kind of enjoy it, but I enjoy it because it's so odd. Okay. That's fine. Like the store, it's just such an odd story and it's told so, it's only like 180 pages or something. It's oh. very like tightly told. It's one of those books you can read in like an hour or two and you're like, I'm done. <laughs> it was like, oh, that was a weird book. And then you put it back on your bookshelf. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. Just trying to uh, understand. It just, it has a very specific feeling to it. It's very, it feels like it's, it, it's set in the fall on the Eastern seaboard and in, in an old house in Maryland. It has kind of a gothic-y feel to it. Like it has a specific mm. feeling. And sometimes I'm in the mood to like read that feeling. Okay. Understood. So listeners, if you want that fun New England gothicy feeling, Danielle has a book for you. <laughs> if you're in the 15-year-old mindset, feel free. So Helen, that's her name, the grandmother. And I will refer to her as Helen or the grandmother, depending on how confusing I'm trying to make this. So Helen Perfect. asks after her mother, her daughter, which is her daughter, meaning Megan's mother. Okay, now you're just being confusing on purpose. Helen asks after her daughter slash Megan's mother. Right. And Megan fills her in. And she also asks after her brothers as well. And then when she switches topics to her trip, like how did your trip go? Megan cuts in to let her know that her father is also doing well. And Helen tells her to only answer the questions she is asked. Oh, all right. Well, I really want to spend more time with this woman. I would be like, trip's over. I need to go. <laughs> it's okay, because Megan very tartly says she's just filling in the details, and they both know that's a lie. Megan's very um sassy, which maybe is why I read this book sometimes, too. I, that is very much you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> like, she doesn't put up with Helen's nonsense. So Helen is, like, taking a really close look at her. She's obviously kind of... I don't know, taking her in. And she asks about her parentage, like her biological parentage, because her coloring's unusual. And this is where you get a description of the main character, who is, she has straight black hair, gray eyes, and skin that refuses to tan. So she's just very pale and has black hair, which is an odd combination, I suppose. I think this is a very dangerous question from this old woman. I know. <laughs> the way she phrases it is weird, too. Coloring is unusual. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> And Megan refuses to answer that question because she Rightly says her, so. parents, her parents are, you know, her Helen's daughter and her dad, and she doesn't really want to talk about her biological parents, and that's totally fair. 100%. So Helen gives in on that conversation and shows her toward the room she'll be staying in, kind of giving her a tour of the house as she goes. So Megan's pretty mad at her at this point, obviously, understandably, for not having any sense of actually wanting to get to know her. She thought maybe 
the invitation was, you know, was maybe positive, trying like to make amends or something. Or something? Yeah. yeah. And it seems like the woman really doesn't actually want to get to know her at all. And she's focusing on her biological parents instead of like her actual parents that raised her. So is this, is her speculation that like her quote unquote grandmother is trying to ascertain her heritage to see if she could be a suitably quote unquote pure granddaughter that she could have? No, you never really get into... I don't think, at least not in this first part, do you ever hear Megan's thoughts as to why her grandma invited her over there. In fact, she just spends most of the first part kind of just being confused. Like, why Why in the world am I here? Okay. Because she doesn't actually want to get to know me. All right. Okay. I'm just curious, so, like, where that was going. Yeah. At this point, we have no idea. She's not even, like, trying to guess. She, I mean, she's kind of just takes it at face value. Like, I don't I don't, don't know why this woman wants me here because she doesn't seem to want me here. Understood. doesn't think more about it than that. So she gives her a brief tour of the house, which was built in the 1720s. Like I said, there's a lot of backstory on these buildings and this kind of gives it a, like a world building. Right. And tells her to leave the remainder of her luggage and that Matt will bring it up when he gets home from a study session. And Megan chooses at that point not to let her know that he was driving around and definitely not at a study session only moments before. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I don't necessarily like Matt at this point, but I definitely like the grandmother less. <laughs> Yes. And we'll meet Matt shortly, obviously. Obviously. Helen takes her to the room and tells her to come down for dinner at 6 p.m. And Megan asks before she leaves what she's supposed to call her. And the grandma kind of hesitates, like not not 100% sure either. And she, Megan asks what Matt calls her, which is apparently grandmother. So she's like, fine, then I'm going to call you that. And Helen is clearly not pleased by that, but doesn't say no. So that's where that conversation ends and she leaves the room. Are we ever going to find out why she invited her here? Yes. Absolutely. It's pivotal to the plot, but you're not going to find out about it today. <laughs> I, I figured. I just want to make sure it wasn't going to be just some flimsy pretense, like with the letter about like, oh, I'll just invite her out here. And the dad's like, sure, let her go, as opposed to... No, you're never going to guess why she was invited to this house. If this turns out to be like a get out scenario where she needs to transfer her mind to this younger body, <laughs> I will be very happy. <laughs> I am neither going to confirm nor deny. I really want this to be like uh, uh, that or being John Malkovich something <laughs> <laughs> all right well we'll find out eventually someday <laughs> listeners you will find out what happens in legacy i'm gonna of assume at this point it's gonna be one of those things until i learn otherwise in the next episode that's totally fair i mean she is really uh, weirdly uh interested in her biological past and what she looks like yeah do you have any medical conditions i should be aware of <laughs> okay Oh, I said she left the room, but that was a lie. So she is at the door when they're having this conversation. And then she stops at the door. She turns and says to Megan, just so we understand each other, Megan, I will respect your privacy and assume you will respect mine. And then she leaves. Does that need to be said? Like, that's like a common thing in the whole way. I have no one goes to the house like, just so you know, we have no privacy here. (laughs) Like, that would be the thing you would say, not the other thing. And Megan is like, what? (laughs) And doesn't understand, as we just discussed, why in the world she was invited if the woman doesn't seem to want to get to know her and is kind of not nice. (laughs) I'm sure we'll find out. It'll be some big, dark secret because, you know, you told me it was called Dark Secrets. So now that she's alone in the room, Megan is kind of thinking about how the house looks like her dream and how odd that is. But the inside doesn't particularly look like anything she's familiar with, but the outside seems identical. And she assumes she must have heard about it maybe from her mom when she was little before she knew that she wasn't supposed to ask about it because that's kind of a taboo topic. Or maybe she saw a similar picture of one. Perhaps it's just a style of housing in the along the eastern seaboard. Yeah, seaboard's. I would assume so. it would just be like, you know how dreams, when you, when you remember them later, they're not, let's say you dream about it and you have a dream with somebody in it. 
and you remember them later as someone you know, even though like, oh, that wasn't that person, but, it's, it, but that's the only way I remember yeah. it now. So I would assume that like, oh, later she just associates this house with that similar one from her dream, even though they maybe not been the same one at the time. Like there's a lot of retroactive assignment of identities in dreams. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what she's talking about in her head, I think. It's just yeah. like, well, maybe it's not really this house, you know, maybe right, it's right, just right. that I... See, that I makes, think, that, that makes sense to me. Let's not talk about the dream anymore. The dream's not important. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. None of the dreams matter in this book. So <laughs> she she hears her cousin's jeep outside and is interested in meeting him and she finishes unpacking and heads downstairs. And as she reaches the landing of the staircase, she realizes she can hear his voice talking to her grandmother. And she, she stops and she's totally listening in on this conversation because she overhears him talking about her. And he says that she shouldn't, she meaning Megan, shouldn't have come and that he had told uh, her that it was a bad idea and that she hadn't been acting like herself since she got the idea to invite her. Danielle, we got to work on your pronoun usage. <laughs> I know. It was a really hard sentence. <laughs> so, to, to just clarify for my own sanity, <laughs> Matt is talking to the grandmother and is telling the grandmother that Megan shouldn't be there and that the grandmother hasn't been herself since she got the idea to invite Megan. Yes, absolutely. Okay, good. Good job. Great. Thank you. <laughs> Now, she can't hear her grandmother's end. She can only hear Matt speaking. Her grandmother's speaking too quietly. But he's angry and says that she, she meaning Megan's, not even really his cousin since she's adopted, which Helen was always the first to point out. And he can't believe that she didn't tell him that Megan was coming. This whole family sounds just the best. Oh, Matt's kind of terrible too, at least especially in the beginning. And that Helen's like up to something. He just doesn't know what it is. A conniving old racist woman? No. <laughs> So Megan pounds down the rest of the stairs to alert them that she's coming and enters the library. I personally probably would have just walked in. It'd be funnier. And <laughs> <laughs> You do love making people awkward, Danielle. <laughs> Only in those kind of situations, Sam, not just like as a general principle. I try to avoid awkwardness. So Matt kind of ignores her when she walks in, takes a book off a bookshelf and pretends to be like really invested in it and feeling particularly catty because of, of over her conversation. Megan takes a seat with her back to him, pretending that he's not there facing her grandmother. Teenagers. And she asks her, I know, she asks her grandmother if there are any photos that she can look at of the family. And Helen tells her that there, there aren't any because she doesn't approve of taking photos of oneself as it's vain and glorifies your own image. Also, camera, steal your soul, young woman. (laughs) And Megan's like, okay, but they also allow you to remember the people that you love. Like, they're not entirely evil. (laughs) What makes you think Helen is capable of love, Megan? Come on. I don't know. And she sees Matt perk up kind of at her sass, and she decides to mess with him a little bit. And so she asks her grandmother about him and if he's like, like he's not in the room. She's like asking about him and if he visits often and if he'll be around for dinner. And you can tell the grandmother's getting some amusement out of this. And Megan asks what he's like. And she tells, the grandmother tells her that she'll have to decide for herself. And Megan agrees, basically saying, yeah, it's not fair to judge people before you actually meet them. Oh, Matt. Oh, burn. (laughs) Also, why? Why is the grandmother like, yes, the moral lesson here is not to judge people before you know them. <laughs> I know. I thought that was a weird thing for her to say. Also, I've I given her a British accent for no other reason than I just wanted to, like, <laughs> I still stuck in the idea that she's actually in England and is very posh. <laughs> I mean, she probably has that, like, New England, Maryland voice, which is kind of like a Southern... What? Like, Maryland is a I'm very not even going to try, accent. Danielle. I, <laughs> my accents are terrible as they are. I'm not going to try to do a very specific Maryland accent. It's like high-end Southern is what it is. <laughs> what does that sound like? I've never, I don't think I've ever been to Maryland. Maybe you could elaborate. I'm not good with accents. I've been to Maryland several times, and no, I'm not going to elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. 
So she realizes her grandma's getting a lot of pleasure from this interaction. Like she clearly thinks that it's pretty funny that they don't get along. Like she's, it's not, and not in a nice way. You she's know, like, not get like along oh, this spider. is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And she then decides that she's going to end the, the charade and she struts up to Matt asking him if he's shy or a snob, just so she doesn't misinterpret things. Which, you know. She's just so good at making, like, I bet she's so <laughs> glad she made the long flight out to Maryland to spend time with her family just to like immediately attack all her family. Like, yeah, they seem like terrible people, but I don't think it'd be worth the journey just to be sassy to them. Well, that's what she's going with. That's her her default state seems to be sassy. Oh man, a definitely annoying teenager. <laughs> <laughs> and she realizes because he like puts the book down and actually it turns towards her that he's super cute, Sam. Obviously, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Super and cute. Like, oh, Matt, I, I'm so sorry I was rude to you when you were being a total jerk to me. I didn't realize you were cute. That gives you a pass. That was not what she does at all. So she begin like, as she's glaring at him, she begins to feel unsteady by his intense gaze, quote unquote, and they both react Ugh. by stepping back. I know. You're going to hate this story. So she introduces <laughs> herself. <laughs> Thanks, Danielle. I can't wait to hear a story I hate. It just gets wilder. I like. I really. I know this is a slow start to this book, y'all. But I'm telling you right now, the second half of this book is insane. <laughs> I I just don't know why romances need to be shoehorned into every teen story. Like, can't they just a be friends or b not be friends and just be working together? Does that always have to be romance? I'm gonna argue for the plot of this book because I do know what happens yes this okay. has to be a romance great like this is actually pivotal to the story is that they have some kind of romantic connection all i want to say about shark shock <laughs> bringing it back is at least there wasn't a shoehorned romance in that book <laughs> i'll give it a thousand points for that there were random sharks that never appeared but <laughs> then they weren't random they just weren't there <laughs> it did have a dearth of sharks but there wasn't a shoehorned romance and so there's that <laughs> i guess the balance is complete yes no sharks for a book named after sharks but uh, no there's, romance there's either a fear of sharks danielle not the sharks themselves are there what talk to him is it his teeth no his teeth <laughs> that's creepy to know his freckles <laughs> that makes sense oh, yeah. that's about worse <laughs> no having your teeth talk to you was infinitely worse than your freckles like imagine your mouth echoing with up, the though. cries of your teeth <laughs> Oh, you brush them. Do they love it? Like, ooh, yeah, brush me. (laughs) Well, you do weird stuff to your face, too. You wash it and, I don't know, put lotion Uh, on them. It's kind of weird. It's not just his face. Like, his arms and shoulders have freckles. Okay, whatever. Anyway, Shark Shock, everybody. (laughs) Give it a listen. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's a fun book. That's me. (laughs) It's crazy, but it's fun. So she decides to introduce herself to Matt, everybody, and then, oh, finally. Asks if she, <laughs> then asks if she can go for a walk on the property and kind of explore it a little bit. And she does invite the two of them, and Helen, I think, completely ignores her or says no. Helen says no, and Matt completely ignores her, and then she makes him answer, like, I'm sorry, Matt, I didn't hear you. What was your answer? Are you going to go for a walk with me? As he's, like, leaving the room. He's yeah, like, no. I mean, that's the <laughs> right way to deal with, with a jerk who is ignoring you. <laughs> So she heads out, checking the property, and she's kind of wandering on the backyard. There's a, a creek or something back there. And she comes across a family burial plot. And she heads nice. inside to look over the stones. And she sees Matt's name. Ooh, dun, he's dun, a dun. ghost. No. Oh. <laughs> That'd be funny, though. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Or maybe if that does happen, I'm not going to tell you anyway. Uh, <laughs> one of the newer markers is listed Thomas Barnes, and that's her mother's father. So Helen's husband. And next to it was uh, one inscribed Avril Scarborough. And the name kind of rings a bell in her head. Yeah, because Avril Lavigne exists. No. No. I don't, this is the 90s. I mean, Avril Lavigne was around sometime in the 90s, but this might have been before Avril. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? Avril Lavigne fans, write in and correct the record. Yeah, I'm not sure what year this book is. I'm sorry. So she's looking at the tombstone and she realizes that Avril was about her age when she died. She was 16, which is, her, is how old she is. And she kind of gets the creep. She just feels very like compelled to leave suddenly and she heads out. Okay. Okay. New theory. I'm sick mm -hmm. with the get out body snatching, but it's not to have the grandmother live on. It's to resurrect the matriarch Avril Scarborough. Ooh. Ooh, good theory. It's absolutely wrong, but it's a good theory. <laughs> so as she's leaving the family burial plot, she kind of glances back at the house as she's making her way across the property, and she notices a flicker of someone at a window as if they're trying not to be seen, and she realizes it's her bedroom, and obviously it kind of weirds her out, but she continues her trek and heads in for dinner. Danielle, just tell me, are there ghosts in this book? Maybe. Okay. Maybe not. Great. All right. <laughs> Perfect. I like that she knows it's her bedroom. I'm going to be honest. Somebody took me to a bedroom. I stayed there for 20 minutes unpacking and then left. And then I was outside of the house. And I was Pick out to which window is from the outside? From the outside. No, no way. <laughs> like, no. Hardcore, no way I could do that. <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't, I lived in my apartment currently for like a decade. I could not pick out this window from outside. <laughs> <laughs> so every time I read that, I'm like, I don't know about that, Megan. <laughs> Maybe she's, I don't know, uh, some kind of savant. <laughs> Windows savant. Yeah, she's like, I have an exact spatial knowledge ability, and my dream told me where all the windows are. Or maybe it's just an easy, like, the corner is the corner of the building, like the landing of the stairs is the corner of the building, and you know that, because you can see out a window or something, and then you're four doors down from there or something. I would never keep track of that. I wouldn't either, but maybe her brain just works differently, Sam. That's what I'm saying, she's a savant. So, Dinner. She goes in for dinner. Dinner's a very tense affair, unsurprisingly. Oh, yeah, really. <laughs> Let's have some nice civil conversation over dinner after we're all very rude to each other. The food's absolutely terrible. It goes into great description about how terrible all the food is. And Ugh. her grandmother is convinced her parents have saddled her with all these crazy opinions. And by crazy opinions, I just mean like maybe like leftist opinions. You mean like... <laughs> like Maybe interracial marriage is fine. Like, it's fine. Yeah, they're not very, like, <laughs> it's not, I wouldn't say they're crazy opinions, though she does remark, she thinks that she's an animal rights extremist because she asks for some green beans to be passed to her because she finds the, all the other food inedible. So she thinks she's an animal rights activist because she chooses to eat vegetables instead of, I'm guessing, platters of bland meat? Uh, yeah, well, not bland, actually. It's like some kind of specific kind of ham that's really, really salty. She doesn't like it. Okay. And then there's weird dumpling thing and uh, clams or something. And I don't know, there's really gross stuff. Oysters. Oysters in a stew, I think. But oysters can be... All right. What a well, crime. Apparently everything was super gross. <laughs> yeah. What a crime to destroy such potentially good food. And so she calls her an animal rights extremist because she only wants green beans and then tells Matt that her mother was always up, up in arms about something. She was always marching for something crazy like integration, raising taxes for education, luxury condos for chickens, for everything but common sense, she says. I mean, and I'm on board with all of those. I'm not sure what you mean by luxury condos for chickens. If she means like making factory farms less atrocious. That's one thing. I, she means like I suspect that's exactly what that is. Okay, and Megan good. points out that it's an exaggeration because her mom really only supported two bedroom apartments for the chickens. 
<laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's a really good line. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Megan may be a snotty teenager, but she's got some wit. <laughs> There's some good lines in this book, actually. And she sees Matt smile a little, a little, which is, you know, one of the first times. And her gram- But her grandmother has absolutely no sense of humor. She didn't think that was funny at all. Shocking. And tells her, <laughs> and tells her that college ruined her daughter and made her a sloppy thinker. And they get into <laughs> a big argument about the world not being black or white. And Matt is like, cool, yeah, I'm going to go to a movie tonight with my friend Alex. Bye, everybody. <laughs> all right. Uh, a couple of things. While I agree the world is full of shades of gray, when it comes to things like extreme racism and opposition to interracial marriage, I think that's a pretty black and white thing, frankly. Yeah, but I think the suggestion is that the daughter was a little more, I won't say brainwashed, but you know, you're kind of, you tend to think what you were raised in before going to college. And then once she was in college, she definitely had like a whole world of other people's epiphany. experiences. Yeah. yeah. And was like, oh, like my family's terrible. <laughs> Good. Excellent. So she had a big turnaround in college and her and her the grandma does not think that was the best thing because prior to that she was very sweet and knew right from wrong, quote unquote. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, all right, yeah, that's true. Moral relativism and yada yada yada. Let's not turn this into a philosophy exactly. podcast. I think our <laughs> positions are are clear, racism bad. Uh that's pretty much the only one I really think we need to establish in this episode. So I think so we've far, done that yeah. and we can move on. <laughs> Um, and so Megan tries to drop some pretty heavy hints that she would love to come along to the movie with Matt because, you know, who wouldn't want to go to a movie instead of being in that house? And Matt fully ignores her and she finishes up the night and heads to bed. What did she expect from Matt? I like, don't know. She just keeps trying, though. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, what else has he got to do? She's only had one bad interaction with him. So maybe she was just like, maybe it was just a, you know, we started off on the wrong foot. Yeah. So that night, she's awakened from her dream of playing with a dollhouse of the house in the house. <laughs> Danielle, the sentences you say for this book make the nonsense I spewed during my Hyperion episode seem completely reasonable. So the dollhouse is a miniature I got of what the you house. said, Danielle. But this is basically like saying, you know, the force space force. It was not an incorrect sentence. <laughs> and true was a very correct sentence, Danielle. It's just like the one to say in Hyperion. It's just completely nonsense in terms of like its construction. It's so needlessly <laughs> convoluted. Well, you should read my notes. So she <laughs> awakens from her it. dream. I just thought it was funny how like like it was a long road to get there. <laughs> She decides she's going to wander, Sam. That's the point. She decides she's going to yeah, wander a little. Yeah, I wander around the spooky house at night. I love that. That's a great way to well, like... not quite. Like oh. She's wandering around her room to start with. So she just gets up. She's kind of stretching. She oh, looks passages. outside of her window. Come on, secret passages. <laughs> outside the window of her room, she notices the roofing and design of the back wing, which she hadn't really noticed earlier, looks familiar to the playroom in her dream and decides to explore. So now she's wandering around creepy houses. This is just like Beauty and the Beast when she stays out of the, the, that one wing of the castle but goes in there anyway. Ooh. So nobody told her she couldn't go to that wing. Well, the grandmother said to respect the privacy, so I assume she was implying that there were parts of the house that were awful. You should be real specific with Megan. Oh, oh <laughs> no kidding. But And also, with anyone, you should tell them, like, if you have places you don't want them to be, you should tell them, like, oh, yeah, that room is closed. Please don't go to that room. Instead of just some vague notion of privacy. So this is not on Megan, but... Oh, so I 100% think Megan would ignore probably that. just... Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> she probably opens your cabinets to see what medications you have inside. I would not invite Megan over. I mean, <laughs> you know. So she, she notes that... 
It's 11.59 and assumes Matt won't be home before his curfew at 12.30, so she shouldn't get caught, and she slips down the stairs, hurrying past her grandfather clock that she's convinced is looking at her in disapproval from the staircase. It's one of those really large ones. Sure. She makes, she makes it to the back wing and to the room that seems similar to the one in her dream, but she doesn't see a dollhouse until she finds an old cupboard, and she opens up the cupboard, and inside is a miniature of the house. It's a voodoo dollhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a little freaked out by it, but wonders if maybe she saw a photo of her mom or uncles playing with it when she was younger, and so it became part of her dream. Let like me ask you, Daniel. everything. Uh-huh. Would you want a playhouse model of a house you were living in? Does that just not seem like the dullest version of a playhouse? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Like, I could have a playhouse cool up. that's anything. It'd be this fantastical house with, like, water slides or whatever. I'm going to make it as just like the house I'm currently living in. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not sure I thought that hard about that. Because this is clearly a custom architecture job. Architecture of my houses. Yeah. So, like, if you're going to get a custom dollhouse made, that's like the most boring version you could get made. I don't know. I mean, maybe you would really like it as a kid because it's like a familiar thing. Maybe it's the reverse of that. That's true. Like, maybe kids are dumb. Um, and, and because, you know, they're <laughs> not very old and haven't learned a lot. So that's fair. And if your house is as extravagant as their house, like I wouldn't have mind. I don't think I would have minded a dollhouse of my childhood house. It was a pretty like weird old Victorian house. It would have been kind of cool as a dollhouse. Okay. So this is the thing. Like I've never had much interest in, in dollhouses <laughs> for a variety of reasons. Mostly just that. Like, again, I clearly find them dull. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I, I had I love I have my interest other people find dull so you know it's just how the human nature works so I want to get your perspective yeah I don't know if I had a dollhouse growing up I had a pop out book that you could like fold back the spine and then you could tie it together both ends of the book so it like did a curved out thing like a balloon or a fan or something and it had it was like it created a little dollhouse which was very that's cool. pretty cool it was really cool and my sister I and i both like had that, one we had two different ones yeah that was really cool as a kid and we had two different slightly different ones my sister See, and i that's a creative dollhouse i'd be into that yeah that was pretty neat all right moving so, on anyway. from dollhouses sorry <laughs> She decides to head back to her room because she's found what she's looking for. And while being sneaky, she comes across Matt in the library, who is digging through drawers with his back to her. Looking for the will. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Who knows? I mean, he seems like he'd probably inherit it. Who else is she going to give it to? She's disowned everybody else in her family. <laughs> Fair. So she decides not to confront Matt because she would then have to explain why she is not in her room. So she continues to sneak past and goes back to her bedroom. I guess that's one way to do it. The next morning at breakfast, Matt says he's going for a run. And Megan tries to talk him into letting her go with him, which obviously does not work. (laughs) Has she not figured this out yet? Also, Uh, what's he going to do? Like, run from you? Just run with him. Like, it's it's public streets or something. (laughs) That's true. But he does decline the offer and then frustrate. she's frustrated with him and he's taking some vitamins and she asks him what kind of supplement he's taking to grow an attitude like his. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Wow, that's and, like a dad line. I know. And he cracks a small smile but won't give in and pushes the vitamins over to her, telling her to help herself, though her attitude is developed enough, and then heads off for his run. Sparks are flying. <laughs> I know. They're going to be in love. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not yet, though. During the encounter, Helen watches them, and then she bookmarks her Bible that she's reading, and she puts it back on the shelf by the window. And she comments to Megan that she's nothing like her mother. 
which surprises Megan since her grandmother doesn't seem to ever let go of the fact that she's not related by birth to begin with. So why would she ever think she'd be like her mother, I guess? (laughs) Also, is that like a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, it's a bad thing because she says her mother was gentle and sweet natured. So where did she get her sharp tongue from? And Megan says she doesn't know, but where did her mother get her gentleness from? Ooh. Got me some self, that burn old woman. She's sassy pants. I I can tell why you identify with this character, Danielle. (laughs) (laughs) They deserve it, too. They're both terrible human beings, especially in the first part. Uh, I gotta say, like, I I don't know much about Megan yet. Like, maybe she's terrible, too. Like, I haven't learned anything other than that she's sassy. That's fair. I mean, we don't know a whole lot about her other than she's trying to be nice. And And we assume she's a protagonist because she's set up against these terrible people. I I will be honest, I don't overly like Megan as a human being in this book. Okay, okay, that's fun. I like it's, Yeah, it's like nice. I just don't dislike her, but she definitely has faults. Kind of a three-dimensional character. Yeah, I appreciate when books try to not make a protagonist like perfect. Like I'm feeling she's like a little too witty. Like it's like every comeback is a little too perfect that it's clearly you know, that's very bookish. Like I certainly am not able to make comebacks that quickly in real life i can barely string two words together now yeah i'd agree i mean she definitely it's i mean but it is played off as like a personality trait of hers which makes it a little bit more believable but she also is she just feels like a teenager you do kind of get the teenager vibe from it and so i think sometimes she reads a little immature and that's okay she should she's 16 (laughs) that's what i'm saying like up to this point it felt like her character was too perfectly witty or whatever so i'm glad to hear that she has some other flaws that round her out a bit more that aren't just like the clumsy trait that every female lead of a rom-com has. Yeah, and I think uh, what you're missing because you're not reading the book is it is first person. So I'm kind of skipping over more of her internal thought process, I guess, just for summary purposes. But I also think it's implied that she's raised by these two progressive parents. Her mom's like a reading specialist and her dad is a veterinarian and they just have raised her to be really independent and speak her mind and stand up for herself. I mean, that's not specifically stated, but it is definitely implied just with the information you get from her family background. Got it. That makes sense. I I don't think this is out of character or something that like, I think she could just be a particularly witty 16 year old, but she does sometimes read immature. Thank you for clarifying her character. Mm -hmm. So that afternoon, she decides to walk into town and she heads into yesterday's to see Ginny. That's Ginny's shop. I remember. Okay. (laughs) Yesterday's (laughs) next to tomorrow's. Oh, TT leaves. (laughs) No, no, tomorrow's. I'm pretty sure it was tomorrow's. And it's right before presents. Yes. Hilarious. So (laughs) Ginny's shop clerk (laughs) has gone home sick and it's swamped. The shop is just super busy. Summer job. Yeah, Megan chips in because she's worked front desk at her dad's vet practice, so she knows how to take credit cards and stuff. And during a lull, a woman comes up while waiting for her companion to finish shopping and she starts chatting with her. And you find out that this woman is a caretaker for the for the companion that's shopping. And after commenting that her charge is being difficult today, which seems wildly unprofessional, she... <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> she says it's much easier than working for Mrs. Barnes, which is... Helen. Yeah, because she's just the worst person in the world. We know this. (laughs) Yes. And apparently still pays like it's 1950. No surprise. And she says she wouldn't even accept boarding there, which was offered since the pay is so paltry. But she didn't want to stay there because the house is haunted. Couple of things. First off, I knew the house was haunted. That's obvious. Uh, (laughs) Second, if she pays like garbage, 
Why are you still working with her? She's not working with her anymore. She quit and okay. is now working with this other woman. Got it. That's okay. the point of the story. All right. All right. Just making sure. No. She was saying the person that she has now, even though they're being difficult, is better than what she was working with. It's much easier to work with. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And Megan, of course, is like super interested in this because she knows Helen. Mm-hmm. And the lady, glad to have an audience, continues her story, saying that that's why Mrs. Barnes's daughter, that's Megan's mom, left like she did, that nobody there is quite right in their head and that she had to get away. And Megan asks, like, what would she have to get away from? And the lady says, Avril Scarborough. Oh, I was right. She's going to be reincarnated inside of uh, the body of, of Yes, that's Megan. a logical conclusion. It's definitely going to be like a, like, was it Casper? The Casper movie that did that? So they're trying to reincarnate him into a body? Right. Remember at the very end, he like gets a body again? Because the whole point was like the father was trying to make a machine to bring his son back from the dead. I don't think he actually gets a body, though. I think he just gets to be like in physical form briefly. Oh, there was that. But I thought there was, uh, was the whole point. Like they bring her dad back to life because they don't have enough of the serum or whatever to bring. Okay. I'm really embarrassed that I don't know the end of Casper because I feel like I've seen that movie several times. But <laughs> I feel like her dad comes back, but the kid doesn't come back. Right. No, he doesn't. But the whole point of Casper was they were trying to bring Casper back. Yeah, originally. Yeah. Yeah. But he gives up his place of being resurrected to resurrect her father who dies after yes. getting drunk with the Uncle Go. That's a wild yeah. movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. <laughs> I love Casper. If you hadn't I seen that it. movie, I would do that for the podcast because it is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've definitely seen that. I definitely remember enough of it because I've seen it probably half a dozen times, but you can't do it for the podcast. I'm sorry, everybody. That's fine. We can just watch that for fun. Does anybody not know the plot of Casper? I want a guest on the podcast. Sam and I can explain it to you. Well, we've already ruined it here, so. (laughs) Barely. You're not going to remember that later. Daniel, not everyone does you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway. She recognizes the name of Avril Scarborough from the gravestone, obviously, and the woman tells her that Avril was murdered and that the family covered it up and said it was an accident, but it wasn't, and everybody knows that. So, Not a very good cover-up, then. The reason why she knows that it wasn't an accident is because she's seen a ghost in the back wing, the ghost of Avril, and happy dead folks don't come back to haunt, she says, See, before she leaves with her companion. I think we I mentioned this before when we were talking about ghosts in... <laughs> When they were hiding in bedrooms, but like, why don't happy ghosts come back? Like, there'd be so many reasons to hang around and have fun with people. Like, you don't have to be a miserable ghost to hang around this plane. Well, I think like the old concept, there's obviously a lot of ghost lore, but the the one you hear the most is that they have some kind of unfinished business right. and you're not happy. But why can't unfinished that unfinished business. business be like going to Six Flags or like getting a great party going or something? Well, why does it always have to be something like kind of grim? Silly. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. I've seen a lot of ghost shows or movies or books where it's something that's not like that big of a deal that they have to accomplish. They just wanted to do it. Yeah. So like her her as- assertion that only unhappy ghosts come back, like maybe you're happy, but just really wanted to go to that, you know, amusement park or something. There's a Korean drama that has a ghost come back and she thinks the reason she's come back is because she was a virgin. <laughs> So she has to okay. like not be one before she leaves. And that makes that plot sound way crazier than it is. It's very PG. That's TV unfortunate because I want to see like how does an incorporeal ghost de-virginize themselves? Or, or oh, like, well, she like ends up taking on – she possesses yeah, a body say, possessing and then tries body, to like – And then she tries to win the heart of a chef and it's like – it's a really good TV show. <laughs> It sounds like a horror movie where, like, your your whole consciousness is overshadowed by some horny ghost. Oh, no, that's terrible. That's terrible. It's a a whole thing. And – but – 
that's part of the story plot as well. It's actually quite a well done show overall. All right. I'm just saying like, does that count though? If it's not your body? I mean, I'm not an expert on. I don't think it matters when you're a ghost because she takes over entire consciousness. So she's like, it's basically her. All right. I don't know ghost rules, but okay. Uh, that's weird. Um, thank you for sharing. They eventually agree to like share. <laughs> No, no, I'd be like, get out of my body, you creepy person. <laughs> That's what she's like in the beginning. It's a whole, it's a whole process because the main, the, the main human character has to like learn how to stand up for herself and be more outgoing and the ghost is really outgoing. So it's kind of this blend of personalities that teaches the human who's alive to like be a Yeah, but person. then you're still sharing your brain also, space like with a the ghost. there's like a serial killer and a murderer Danielle, and there's like a whole Danielle, thing going stop. on in the background. I don't want to hear about that. I cannot handle this right now. Let's get back to this crazy story. <laughs> one, ins- one of your insane romancings at a time. <laughs> really good TV show. Right uh-huh, now. yeah. <laughs> oh, my ghost is totally recommend. Anyway. It's called Oh, my ghostess. Um, or Oh My Ghost. It depends on the translation, which one you go to. But yeah, it's it's around. It's a pretty well-known Korean drama. Highly recommend it. Anyway, very weird. <laughs> All right. Well, that was very Danielle's Korean drama corner. <laughs> we should work that into the actual podcast, Sam. Um, no. <laughs> no, I'm good. No, I'm good. <laughs> so anyway, Megan, back in yesterday's Lost in Her Thoughts, doesn't notice another teenager in front of her at first, but then notices that she's looking at a necklace that matches her eyes and suggests that she try it on. And there are also two other teens in the store. So the girl is looking at a necklace that matches Megan's eyes and says, hey, Megan, try this on, no. stranger. No, she... <laughs> no. she. The girl is looking at a necklace that matches her own eyes. Okay. Her super blue eyes. And uh, Megan is like, wow, that would look really good on you. You should go try that on. Okay. Again, pronouns are hard. <laughs> and there are other two other teenagers in the store, and Megan realizes that one of them is the is one of the girls that she saw in Matt's Jeep the other day. And just as she realizes this, Matt ends up strolling into the shop to meet up with his friends. So this is Matt's posse. Apparently. So she watches him be super nice and charming with the people that he's with, and she gets really annoyed about it. Like, oh, he can be polite and friendly. Why would she assume he can't be? Like, most people are capable of acting different ways around different people. Oh, I think she's just mad that he won't even give her the time of day and he's being like super friendly and helpful and flirty with these people. She just wants him to be flirty with her. Uh, yeah, maybe. So she checks out a customer, which draws Matt's attention. Like he overhears her voice and he seems angry that she's there. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know I needed to clear my schedule with you. It's not like you show any interest in what I'm doing when I'm there. <laughs> totally legitimate. She's totally yeah. right here. And his guy friend that he's with, his name's Alex, uh, thinks she's hilarious and asks who she is. And Matt introduces her as his sort of cousin. And she and Alex hit it off. Okay. See, why can't you have a romance with Alex? And if this was a love triangle, I will be mad, Danielle. It's not really a love triangle. And we'll get into it. <laughs> okay. But like, clearly Alex is a much better person than Matt. Absolutely. And he plays a not a slightly insignificant role, but he is around for a little bit of this book. Same, but you have to go with Matt because he's the cute boy who's broody. Yeah, that must be why and not definitely any other reasons. So she gets <laughs> called away by Ginny, who, uh, but overhears them when she's like coming back towards the front of the store. She overhears them because they think that she's not around. And Alex is asking Matt if he's interested in his non-related cousin, because if he's not, then Alex wants to ask her out and... Matt's like, whatever, do what you want to do. <laughs> I mean, what's he going to say? Yes, I'm totally into this woman I, I clearly so disdain for. <laughs> 
but they don't know that. They haven't seen him interact. And then they realize that she's standing there. Awkward. And uh, this is a perfect opportunity. Alice, I'm going to ask you out. So let's do it. Just do it. It's like, hey, yeah, you heard that. You want to do something? Let's do it. Teenagers don't recover well from awkward moments. So they, <laughs> during the scene, the redhead, who was the one that was the other teenager that was looking at the necklace, she shows up and they gush over it, but it's outside of her budget. So they, they put the necklace back and this is Sophie and she's Megan's new best friend forever. BFF. Forever Aww. and ever, Sam. That's going to make things awkward with Matt. <laughs> yeah. So she happened to overhear the conversation as well, and it turns out she has a big old crush on Matt, and she asks her newfound friend if she knows anything about who he likes, which, no. No, she does not. She's been in town for like 24 hours. <laughs> Teenage friend groups are the worst, like, just because they're so incestuous. <laughs> they are really incestuous. This is true. But she's not friends with them. They clearly, like, there's a- She's just a BFF with what's-her-face, Sophie, so now she is. No, but I meant Sophie's not friends with Matt and them. Oh. They kind of actively, like- they, she sees them. There's a scene. I kind of cut so it out. So they're just not this... part of – so Matt's friend group is a different friend group than Sophie's friend group. Yeah. I mean, you don't see Sophie's friend group yet, but yes, Sophie is like – she looks over at them and kind of tries to like say hi to them and they kind of ignore her. So so they're even bigger jerks. They don't really quite ignore her. They're just not like – like I wouldn't say – I don't even know if they end up seeing her. They just like – she keeps trying to like interject to say hi and they – like nobody seems to notice that she's there. I'm not – I don't think they're right. actively – I'm spending way too much time on the social interactions of teenagers. Let's, let's <laughs> move on. you asked. I, I regretted so. it immediately. <laughs> Anyway, the point is, Sophie's not friends with them, but she has a crush on Matt. So toward the end of the day, Jenny sends Megan over next door to Tea Leaves to have a break and a snack. And she notices as she's eating her cheesecake, which she chose, Sam, in okay, the window. Okay, thank you for telling me. <laughs> you like cheesecake. I, I like cheesecake. It doesn't mean I'd be like, oh, she chose cheesecake. She's my kind of girl. <laughs> well, I mean, you might say that. We're on a podcast. You say whatever comes to mind. That's the point. <laughs> So she notices a sign in the window as she's eating her cheesecake stating that fortunes are told there. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, Danielle, we already have ghosts. A fortune telling is not that far a stretch. <laughs> so she ends up in a conversation with the shop owner who is inherited from his father. And he asks if she's visiting. And then as the story Should comes out- Should he know he, if he tells fortunes? He's not the fortune teller. Oh, okay. And no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. And he realizes, kind of with surprise, that Helen has grandchildren, which he didn't realize. Apparently, Helen does not talk about her grandchildren. Surprise, surprise. I just want to say, like, psychics shouldn't need phone numbers. They should just call you when you need them. Yes, but I don't think, I imagine psychics would argue that that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue that if a psychic wants my money, they got to call me first and <laughs> know I need them. Yeah, I heard it from Sam, everybody. Feel free to call Sam if you feel like he needs some psychic input. <laughs> yes. Please, uh, don't call you me. You would not even believe that. You would, like, pick up the phone, if you even picked up a number you didn't recognize, yeah. and he'd pick it up and he'd be like, I'm not talking to you. This is a robocall, <laughs> probably. <laughs> you would never get Sam to stay on the phone with you. Uh, maybe just for entertainment purposes, but never for money. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she asks who does the fortune telling, and it turns out that it's his mother, and she lives upstairs, and she's getting a bit old for, for the work, but she would love to meet her. And his mom used to work for Scarborough House when she was a teenager, and she lived there for a while. Does everybody have a connection to Scarborough House? Yeah, it's a small town, Sam. It's called Wisteria. It has, like, one main street. I and didn't know, like, how big Wisteria. <laughs> Maybe it was, like, the bustling metropolis of Wisteria. Okay, you know that's not true. <laughs> I know now. Thank you. 
<laughs> it's a small town. I mean, I don't know how many main streets it has, but it's, it's a small town. So Megan is pretty excited about finding someone who might have known Avril because that was probably the time period that Avril would have been alive. And she jumps on the idea to meet her. So he takes her upstairs to meet his mother. And to her surprise, to Megan's surprise, the woman just stares at her for several minutes while she tries to introduce herself. And the son is really puzzled by his mom's reaction. Psychic and tries... flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no. So the son is puzzled by his mom's reaction and tries to explain that this is the girl who wanted her fortune told. And his mom stops him, telling him that he was a fool to say that she would do it and she won't look in the cards for Megan. And then she stalks off and leaves the room. She's a grumpy pants. Yeah, that's what the son said. Well, the he apologizes profusely and says, you know, he's she's been kind of on edge lately, but I didn't think she'd be like that. And I'm so sorry. And you can come back later if you want to try. I'm sure she'd be more willing to do it later. Mm, no, Megan, thank you. <laughs> Megan kind of shrugs it off. It's like, no big deal. It's fine. And then leaves. So she goes back to the yesterdays and Jenny asks her if she'd like to fill in again on Monday because apparently her employee that's sick is going to be just sick forever as far as I can tell. <laughs> She has a chronic illness called far. no longer working here. <laughs> like, you're like, I'm pretty sure that my coworker, the coworker will not be here in three days. So could you cover for her? <laughs> you could just hire her as like an additional intern slash helper, like pay her, obviously, but still. You don't need to yeah, don't. have a replace an existent worker. Well, supposedly they're sick. So when she arrives home, she tries to tell Helen about her day, but the woman does not care. <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> Helen's motivation. I mean, I know we will figure out her motivation later, but right now it's like... You're never going to understand it, Sam. It's never... like. I mean, go with theory that she's trying to replace... Trying to make her sister come back to life or whatever. I'm going to say it's... it's it's She is being compelled by the spirits. Like, you must bring me back, fulfill the destiny of our clan, then we will rule the earth kind of thing. And so she has to yes. resurrect Avril to create the matriarch and, and bring glory to the house of Scarborough. I would go with that. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I, I complain a lot about every plot having to be bombastic and huge, but to be fair, it is a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, this gets bombastic and huge in the second half. <laughs> All right. So she decides she's going to head to bed. And that night, a cold front moves in. And the wind picks up. And the house is rattling. And it's making it hard to sleep. Here come the ghosts. But eventually, she drifts off, only to awaken by a voice. And it says, my name is Avril. And she jerks awake, looking for the source. And there's nothing there, Sam. <laughs> oh, really? Nothing there, Danielle? Oh, I'm so shocked. But as she's looking around the room, the voice repeats itself. And she asks, who's there? Because Avril, she told always you. successful. <laughs> I know. My name is Avril. Under, Who I've are you? I never understood that. <laughs> they do that all the time in like horror movies. Yeah, There's noises or somebody like, ooh. And you're like, who's there? And you're like, oh, I'm the ghost. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Was I not clear enough when I told him my name was Avril? Uh, I'm a ghost. Nice to meet you. You're in my room, I believe. Probably, because that's how these things work. And, uh, you know, I'll be haunting you tonight and maybe for the next few weeks, seeing how this goes. You know, just want to introduce myself, give my card. And at the end of the haunting, if you would please fill out a comment card, I really appreciate your feedback. We're always trying to improve. Yes, that's what happened next. <laughs> I just like the idea that you think that, okay, pretend the person didn't say their name when you asked who's there. You just hear noise and you say who's there. I like the idea that like, the murderer is going to be like, it's me. I'm the murderer. I'm coming for you. Hang out. Hang there. I'll be there. Just a minute. Even Don't if they leave. did that, like, what are you going to do Don't with run. information? Like, who's there? <laughs> Jeff. What? Are, okay. What, what, what have you learned from this? You have, you have gained nothing that is helpful. <laughs> I know. It's wild to me. Such a stupid question. 
So uh, is she lying? Well, I know. I know I would absolutely ask that question in that situation. You probably would. Yeah, we all would. Because this is like I, human nature. <laughs> I think the hope, the hope is like that somebody that you know, they're going to be like, oh, it's Carol. And you're like, oh, Carol, I'm so glad it's you because I was freaking out. Like, <laughs> that's what your hope is when you ask that question. It's a, it's a reactionary, like, social yes. convention to ask who's there or what's going on or, you know, what's that? Is anybody there? That kind of stuff. Yeah. But shockingly, nobody answers her. <laughs> so she's lying freaked out in her bed. And she finally convinces herself that she can either lie in bed afraid or she can get up and prove to herself that it was just her imagination. Or she can just go and- to sleep. <laughs> what i would do to be honest right, i like, would just like once my heart's racing like stopped i'd be like okay i'm just gonna go back to bed <laughs> this is why you'd be murdered so easily in your sleep you'd be like <laughs> you'd hear a noise the guy would freeze or whatever and you'd be like yeah it's all right i'm gonna go back to bed <laughs> <laughs> i have a lot of noises in my house i can't like go check all of them out you guys <laughs> all right so if you want to murder danielle we, we established so far if you want to try to scam me as a psychic you gotta call me first and if you want to murder danielle you'll probably have an easy time of it by sneaking to your house at night so you know good information we're providing today i would I don't, i'm not that heavy of a sleeper and i'm feisty i would not want to murder me but i'm just saying that i may not check out the noise that you make when you creak a floorboard <laughs> i like how you're trying to walk it back but you know we all know it's, it, danielle <laughs> my I'm sorry. cat might eat you though oh just yeah to be fair house cat notoriously good at eating people <laughs> She's she's also surly. Okay, so she doesn't see anything as she's like tentatively exploring her little space and wonders if Matt is somehow playing some kind of prank on her. And she turns to go back to bed, um, but in the mirror she catches the bare hint of a girl looking back at her. Of course, it's in and the mirror. She freaks out and she runs back to her room and throws back the quilt of the bed, only to find the same girl lying on the bed. It's Avril. And she, she then realizes that it's not someone else. It's her. She's looking down at herself and herself is dead. And she squeezes her eyes shut and she puts her hand over her mouth so she doesn't scream. And then bam, she wakes up and she's lying in bed. And it was probably just a dream. (laughs) Oh, boo. (laughs) So that's where we're going to leave it today, Sam. On a cliffhanger with a dream. It was all a dream. Get she, but probably not because she had shut the door before she went to bed and now the door is open. I mean, a prophetic dream, or maybe she was sleepwalking, or who knows. Well, she, like, it didn't shut all the way when she left and came back in, and then there was a ghost in her bed, so there must have been a ghost in her bed, or ghosts that look like her. I thought you told me this wasn't the book where there was a ghost in the bedroom. There may or may not be a ghost in her bedroom. (laughs) I feel like to. (laughs) You shouldn't. There's really not really a ghost. It's not not nearly as much of the other ghosts in the bedroom book. Okay. <laughs> I think you have a collection of ghosts in the bedroom books. That speaks a lot to what you read. Not on purpose. <laughs> I like books where ghosts are in bedrooms where they possess women to try to you know have sex with, we said, butchers, bakers, whatever. <laughs> what? The Korean drama you were talking about. I said he was a chef. <laughs> uh, chef, butcher, baker, whatever. I was, I was close. Completely well, Baker is pretty similar. Butcher is a little bit different. All food related. The point is, and they seem to have a particular fascination with ghosts in sexy situations. Because there were three ghost stories that I mentioned so out of far, everything Danielle, I've ever read or watched. How many sexy ghost stories I've ever read? <laughs> I don't know if any of them were sexy, except maybe the Korean drama could arguably be a little bit. <laughs> I think the ghost <laughs> I've come is the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze. Oh, yeah, Ghost. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Hard to beat. I mean, that's to be fair, that's the sexiest ghost movie there is. That is a sexy ghost movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should go watch Ghost. I feel like watching Ghost now. <laughs> Get on it. Oh, well, thank you for sharing 
that beginning to what I hope will have a very dramatic ending, because so far the setup is a lot of really weird people who are unlikable, so... And a possible ghost in the bedroom. Yeah, I mean, I'm hooked. I give <laughs> no, you're not. But it's I am. the second I half know. is crazy. <laughs> Look, no, I am hooked because you know, I there's a genuine mystery here about like why is a grandmother such a tool and inviting Megan out there just to be a jerk. There's clearly some kind of sinister motivation, and I really, really, really want it to be the ritual resurrection of Avril Scarborough. That's pretty close, Sam. You're right on the money. I know I'm not, Danielle. But that's just really what, like that's like what I'm hoping for. And I know it's gonna be way weirder than that because obviously you wouldn't bring me anything so mundane as the virtual resurrection of Avril Scarborough, but you know <laughs> I feel like this is one of those stories that the very first time I read it, I was like, what is going on in this book? I mean, the, the classic ghoster would be that she's, un, she's an unsettled ghost because she was murdered and she's trying to avenge her murder. And it's up to Megan to uncover the murderer who is the grandmother or whatever. Because that's Perhaps. how, but that's how like the classical story would go. I'm, I'm sure, as you said, you would not bring me anything so mundane as that. Nope, you're gonna find out next week on Book Retours. Stay tuned, or <laughs> don't, because like we don't tune into podcasts really. That's true. Stay streamed. Our idioms no longer apply, Danielle. We got to update our language. <laughs> Stay clicked not until they update the <laughs> floppy disk save on Microsoft Word. <laughs> Oh, sure. I mean, but that should never go away. I want that to become a hieroglyph that has no meaning outside of save and is divorced <laughs> from its original physical. It kind of does. I feel like I go ahead and ask somebody who's under the age of like 15 what the heck that item is supposed to be. I bet you will not have, like most people will not know what that is. I love that. I, well, I'm so happy to have this crazy visual language that is completely <laughs> historic in nature and not tied to anything that makes sense. Me too. Anyway, that's unrelated to this ghost story book. <laughs> If you want to write in to tell us how you think the grandmother murdered Avril and how the revenge will be taken, you can do so by reaching out to us at bookretorts.com. If the grandma either even murdered Avril. No, no, Avril. we're assuming she did, Danielle. Oh, no, we're it. just going to start from there. <laughs> it could be a completely different plot line. Maybe she's not as evil as she seems. No, no, well, we're sticking with evil all the way through, no twists. <laughs> okay. Fine. Then tell us why the grandmother murdered Avril. Like <laughs> uh, I said, you can do that at bookretorts.com. You can also tweet Instagram or Facebook us at bookretorts. And if you want to fund our ghost hunting expedition, you can do so at patreon.com slash bookretorts. Uh, I would do that if somebody wanted to fund it. <laughs> I mean, I would too. That'd be a fun way to spend some time in a house and not have much happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, record some background notes, like, oh, it's a ghost, you can hear it. And you'll hear me being a little more freaked out and Sam being like, just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> we would be a great ghost hunting pair because you'd be, like, all into it. I'd be, like, so disaffected by it. would be great. Discovery Channel, you put a bunch of, of, of crap on, on your channel, call us. We'll we'll do a ghost hunting show for you. <laughs> TLC, Where whatever. I believe and, and Sam believes not at all. <laughs> It'd be great. We'd be like, it's like a, an odd couple kind of ghost hunting show. <laughs> I'm surprised that I feel like that must exist. Does that exist? Listeners, does that exist? And if it does, we'd still do it better. <laughs> it's true, but I would probably watch it if it exists. So please tell That's me. That's a fair point. I want to see that too. <laughs> <laughs> we need a lot of help from listeners from this episode, Dana. We got a lot of questions <laughs> and a lot of homework for them this episode. Well, Sam has a lot of questions. I know what happens in the plot of this book. Yeah, but you have a lot of questions about like ghost hunting TV shows now. <laughs> That's true. I do. I have a lot. Anyway, until next time, be sure to check under your sheets for ghosts before you go to bed. <laughs> 
because apparently that's where they hide out. <laughs> well, that's bed. why they're always in sheets, Danielle, classically. Not on top of your bed. <laughs> How do you think the ghosts get in those sheets in the classic you know, cartoon depiction of ghosts? Because they um, hide in I, sheets. Do you think that they like pull them back and then put them over the top of them? Or do they just like slide underneath and then the blankets kind of Yeah, like they're under the sheet the and then like they stand up and then the sheet forms around them. This isn't hard. <laughs> Obvious, Danielle. Obvious. It's hard to pull them from beds, though, because they're usually tucked in. They're ghosts, Danielle. They're fine. They can figure it out. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Didn't mean to question the capacity of ghosts. You shouldn't. They are here to do one thing. Get a Six Flags and have a ride a roller coaster before they go on the Great Beyond. <laughs> or have sex with as many people as they can because they died virgins. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Those are two ends of the spectrum for sure. <laughs> Anyway, I think we really need to go. Uh, On that note, bye. Take care, everybody. I don't <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I think that that part may have been cut by the mic. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear it. You didn't, but I I saw the the, the thing jump. That <laughs> <laughs> made me giggle. Sam farts everybody. <laughs> uh definitely I might go in, who knows? <laughs>